Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters. Thanks for tuning in again this day. Today we're going to be joined by uh, Dr. Michael Lewis, who's going to be talking about CBD oil and the, the, uh, this new study, actually, uh, that, is, that finds that CBD oil, CBD oil limits the cravings and anxiety of, in heroin users. This was a study that came out of um, Mount Sinai, and there's quite a lot of interesting information in that study. And then uh, Dr. Lewis will be able to tell us a whole lot of other things about CBD and his association with it. But let me just read you some of the promo that I have in front of me here. Interviews, strike that, individuals suffering from heroin and opioid use disorders may have a new natural non-prescription medication for for, uh, breaking their drug addiction, the CBD oil extracted from the hemp plant. A study published in May 2019, online edition of the American Journal of Psychiatry, researchers at Mount Sinai Hospital reported that CBD, cannabinoid, cannabidiol, I keep strong, I stumble over that word all the time, but anyway, forgive me, the the non-psychoactive chemical compound naturally occurring in hemp and cannabis plants was able to reduce cravings and anxiety for individuals attempting to break their addiction to heroin drugs and showed significant promise for treating individuals with heroin and opioid use disorder. Researchers looked at 42 drug abstinent men and women with heroin use disorder, said Michael, Dr. Michael Lewis, the founder of the Brain Health Institute. Half the group had a, uh, recently stopped using heroin received CBD. The other half received a placebo, and participants were then uh, exposed to pictures designed to trigger drug cravings, which is interesting. I think that, I find that interesting. Uh, uh, they, uh, they'll say more about that. Anyway, Dr. Lewis says that the individuals who received the CBD had significantly reduced drug cravings. Researchers also found that the uh, Participants reported less anxiety when looking at the pictures of people using drugs. Additionally, CBD seemed to have a lasting effect. The drug continued to reduce cravings and anxiety for several seven days beyond the time the drug was expected to be present in the body. Measurements of vital signs including skin temperature, blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate, and oxygen saturation were obtained at different times during the, the sessions. To researchers' surprise, they found that CBD reduced the heart rate and the salivary cortisol levels, which typically increase when anxiety-provoking images are shown to addicts. Uh, these findings support the idea that CBD may be a promising tool for curbing opioid addiction, says Dr. Lewis, who uses CBD oil in his own practice to mitigate 
uh, patient anxiety and, and depression, which typically accompany the concussions and traumatic uh, brain injuries that he often treats at his clinic. Uh, Dr. Lewis says specific uh, effects of CBD are on, on drug craving and anxiety induced by environmental and particularly important, the development of effective addiction therapies because environmental cues are the ones that are the strongest triggers for relapse. And um, Dr. Has, uh, Dr. Lewis has a, a, um, a, a rather elaborate um, uh, website to go to. It's Brain Health Education. I'm looking for the, here it is, Brain Care Center, www.braincarecenter. And he's been a consultant to the U.S. Army and the Navy, as well as the several organizations, institutes, and nutrition companies around the world. So he's very, very much a well-spoken and, and um, someone who's been on this path for quite some time. So he has a lot of interesting things to say, not only about the, this, the subject of our, of our purpose today, but also other things having to do with uh, brain health in general. So I hope that we'll have a chance to visit with him on several issues of that, in, in addition to this issue of the reducing the cravings on, uh, with people with heroin disorders. So let me go on with some more... Of, of this topic, because I think this is where we're going. And um, this is actually in front of me. I have the article from Mount Sinai, and it actually mentions the work of Dr. Yasmin Hurd. She is the research, uh, she's the head of the research team at Mount Sinai. And um, and she's done two follow-up studies, actually um, trying to understand the mechanisms of CBD effects on the brain. And the second one uh, paves the way for the development of a unique CBD medicinal formulations. And hope we'll be able to talk with Dr. Lewis some about that, because that's likely to become a significant part of the uh, medicinal arsenal available to address the opioid, opioid addiction. For those of us in practice in healthcare, the opioid addiction is, is uh, certainly a, a staggering challenge. Um, and of course, if you pay attention at all to the popular press and listen to the news, the Sackler family of Purdue pharmaceuticals have, are in very serious trouble with uh, uh, their uh, profiting from the, the onset of this opioid process. And uh, so it's very much in the news. And here's our guest. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, hey, this is Dr. Mike Lewis. Do to call in? Hello, Mike Lewis. Thank you for uh, for joining us today. Ah, it's my pleasure. I was just reading, actually, the promo that I got from your publicist about kind of the general lay of the land in terms of the study that came out of uh, Mount Sinai. And I went to actually to the Sinai uh, website, and I read the article in its, in, in its entirety. And, and then I bumped around a little bit and looked at, looked at a bunch of things about you. And you're a guy who's out there all over the place. You um, are quite a presenter of, of many, of, of, of very numerous things. And of course, in your own work in terms of uh, brain trauma, and I, I'd like us to spend a little time on that as well because you have such a, an interesting perspective on that. Would you mind if we start with that? Ah, uh, not at all. I mean, that'd be great. Great. Well, so. You, you've talked a great deal and, and, and given a bunch of uh, public information on the utilization of omega-3 fatty acids in, in, re, in response to brain trauma. Maybe you could just give our listeners just a little overlay about what that work is about, because I think that, again, is one of those really 
um, unexplored areas that, that you've been able to give, get so much value out of. So if you could start there, that would be helpful. Sure. Um, so basically, uh, you know, I spent 31 years in the Army, and, you know, we were stationed at Walter Reed outside of Washington, D.C., and you're around wounded warriors all the time. Right. Um, and got, you know, like, what can I be doing to help the, a little bit more with the what with what's going on you're around wounded warriors uh you know whether you're going to the gym or um wherever on on campus and you're so you start to think well can you do to help and i sort of put two and two together um and came up with an odd number i I knew was aware of a uh, a mining coal mine accident in west virginia that had occurred in january 2006 and i know they used really high doses of fish oil to basically help bring this guy's uh, back from almost death, uh, the one guy that survived. And so they had done everything that you do for carbon monoxide poisoning, and but still had uh, somebody who was brain, basically brain dead. Um, and the short of the story is he walked out of the hospital a couple of months later. And so I got to thinking, might that work for traumatic brain injury. The brain's made of fat. Omega-3 type of fats are uh, arguably, uh, you know, some of the, probably the most important type of fat, and so uh, it, which you can get from fish oil. So I went and asked the head of research, is anybody looking at it, at omega-3s for recovery from traumatic brain injury? And the answer was, no, why don't you? And, uh, <laughs> and that's Great. literally how it all started. Uh-huh. Uh, about a dozen years ago, and uh, I since retired and have continued to uh, push the 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 idea that we can use not just for the recovery from severe traumatic brain injury, but also concussions, which are much more common, and even as a possible way to prevent concussions from occurring in the first place. and um, And everything continues to point in a good positive direction that all those are possible. Mm-hmm. So, now I'm, I'm I'm assuming that when you were at Walter Reed, you were still an active part of the Army. Is that true? That's correct. Right, right, and and so then, um, and then your your particular assignment in, at Walter Reed then became singularly focused on on this issue with with uh, the omega threes, or did 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 they actually allow you to have your own little lab and set up a whole thing? Or tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was um, I was teaching at the medical school uh-huh. in Bethesda, I see. and right. so so you know, in addition to my teaching duties, uh, you know, you're encouraged to get involved in some research, and uh, I actually patented some of my ideas and con- and started to pursue through uh, some corporate um, uh, collaboration. Right. Uh, to try to make that uh, happen. Uh, you know, the whole idea of running through all the levels of testing that you need to do. Right. And, um, and, you know, and eventually hopefully get through the FDA process and out into the real world. So, so, so that you, became my big focus. So you mentioned Nord, I see Nordic Naturals is mentioned in your in your literature here. Is that that was then became your corporate sponsor? Uh, no, I was working with a, well, when I was in the Army, I was working with a, the largest IV intravenous manufacturer in Europe, um, a, a company called B. Braun uh, Melzigan, mm-hmm. 
and they're actually the largest IV manufacturer in Europe. And um, so I was working with them as far as trying to work through this problem, not just from a scientific point of view, but a manufacturing sure, uh, sure, point of view. Sure, sure, sure. And so, so now for those of us who are just sort of everyday ordinary citizens who want to begin to sort of take advantage of, of brain health uh, potential consequences of, of your work, Ex- extrapolate a little bit of what you've done into the general community um, of those of us everyday people. How, how have you yourself conjured the, the desirability of, of uh, omega-3 fatty acid supplementation for the general population, and, and also what sort of signals might you give our listeners that would give them some reason to believe that omega-3 fatty acid support for their brain health would be a conceivably a, a positive upside? Well, you know, the brain's made of fat, and about 30% of the weight of the brain is actually made up of omega-3 types of fats, DHA for the initials in particular. Right, right. Um, and so... Um, you know, I hit upon the idea, like, all right, if we flood the brain, flood the body with uh, higher doses of DHA, of omega-3s, would that help resolve the inflammation and help rebuild the brain, provide the, the building blocks for the brain to rebuild after, a, after an injury? Mm-hmm. And so that was basically the the premise that I started with um, the idea of how many omega threes could we put in say a syringe to inject after a after an injury and that was the idea of you know an IV formulation which is still you know it's not out available on the market it's still in the process mm-hmm. um, drug development takes forever mm-hmm. um, so that's uh, a bit of an issue yeah. uh, but it's just so I just had the idea of what could we do, you know, in the meantime, and why why is this translatable to everyday, you know, people out there? Right. Well, 44 million kids play organized sports every year, so uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to, to to get head injuries, unfortunately, out there, and it's not just NFL football players. You've got you know you've got football players of all levels you know, everything from Pop Warner up through. And my concern is not how do you, you know, eliminate these things because I'm a huge advocate for sports and, mm-hmm. and I love football. I grew up playing football. I, I let my son play football. Sure. Um, and, but how can we do it more safely? And how do we, can we improve the resilience of the brain to withstand injury in the first place? So I didn't let my son leave the breakfast table without taking a handful of fish oil every single day. Uh-huh. But it could be something as simple as, you know, you slip and fall in the shower. You get in a car accident. You slip on the ice as we get to, you know, into the wintry times. Um, you know, kids should be outside playing. They're, you know, they're going to be out on bikes and scooters and playgrounds and, you know, sled riding and you know, skiing and snowboarding. So lots of opportunities for the everyday person out there that they could they could hit their head and, and it may not be so 
um, maybe, innocent and maybe may not be know, so benign as you as you as may you, not as, be so benign. A much better word, yes. As, as you as you as you point out, and that's of course why I was trying to direct us here a little bit in the beginning of our talk because I when I read about your brain work, I was so impressed with it, and I was so grateful that someone was taking the position that you were that you have just taken basically, and you described in terms of your own son going out to uh, to do his his. Uh, his uh, work on the on the football field and how you you know you gave him some preparation for that in a in a kind of useful thoughtful way. So we're speaking to Dr. Michael Lewis, who's the um, you're now uh, you're the give us your website if you would please. Well, I when I retired from the army, I started a small nonprofit called Brain. Well, the website is brainhealtheducation.org. Right. Brainhealtheducation.org. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a practicing physician. I've got a small clinical practice, and I focus on helping people who have been through the medical system for months and usually years, and they're not getting resolution of the symptoms after concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been through the, the traditional systems, and they're still struggling and being told, this is the new you, this is all you can do, right, or, you know, right. get used to it. And I just never accepted that. I always thought there was more we can do. And there is, and we're going to be able to talk more with Dr. Michael Lewis when we come back from break. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Hmm. Something's supposed to happen that's not happening. Maybe we're not going to get a break. There, there it goes. Oh, wrong one. Well, we're, our break is not breaking here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know quite what the problem is. So let's go back to Dr. Michael Lewis. So, um, <laughs> sorry about that, everybody. Um, so now turning back to the what kind of got us here, basically this very interesting process that you that you that uh, mentions uh, Dr. Yassim uh, Hurd and her work at Mount Sinai, but it it obviously rolls into lots of other places in terms of your own work with CBD. Now, tell us a little bit right up front. What is your association with um, the company CBD? I guess what's it called? Plus CBD oil, or what? Tell us about that a little bit, just so our listeners know what we you know where your corporate connections are. Sure. Uh, when I when I retired from the army, I um, I started because of the work that I was doing. As you can imagine, it was helpful, uh, and I got some great corporate support from Nordic Naturals at the time, uh-huh. uh, and, and continue on for years as a, a medical advisor to Nordic Naturals. Uh-huh. And eventually, some of the key people at Nordic Naturals jumped over to this new, you know, cannabis uh, hemp. CBD industry. Ah, that's and, how it goes. Yeah, I see. And okay. basically, I was asked to, uh, to come on board with the Plus CBD oil brand mm-hmm. uh, and uh, by CB Sciences as a medical advisor. So I'm on the board of advisors to the to uh, CB Sciences and their Plus CBD oil right. line of products. Right. And you have an, uh, do you have a financial interest in, interest in the company as well? Um, I get paid uh, on. Um, I get a, a retainer uh, right. on a quarterly basis. So, oh, okay. Um, okay. They, it keeps me around. Uh, and sure. you know, the the biggest thing they want me to do is help 
educate people out there like your listeners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we had somebody from, and I, I regret, I can't remember that we had a, a farmer, a hemp farmer from CV Sciences with us. It's got to be a couple of years ago now. He was out on the yeah. on the range, so to speak, and we had a couple of a couple of very good visits with him. And he was at that time just celebrating, of course, the the development of the positive uh, legislative uh, process vis-a-vis hemp. So that was a big moment then, and we got a lot of questions and calls about that, which, of course, that's it's, it subsequently developed us so much along the way. And, and of course, so many times for those, I mean, I'm a practicing uh, acupuncture or oriental medical doctor, and so, I mean, I have lots of people in my practice who come in and say, well, should I use CBD for this or that, or can I bathe in it, or can I, <laughs> can I give it to my dog? And, I mean, it's just, it's just so everywhere. And so that's one of the reasons we're so glad that you are with us because, of course, you've got now such um, a, a, a profound relationship to this product that, in, in a medical, scientifically sensible way. So let's start right away with with the um, your give us sort of a synopsis, if you might, about uh, this study from Mount Sinai, and then kind of anything that you've done yourself subsequent to that, vis-a-vis the use of, of this CBD product for the heroin or opioid addiction problem. Give us sort of a, let's start with an overview, if you would. Well, an overview is, you know, and as your listeners know, you know, heroin uh, and opioids are a tremendous, huge problem uh, around the country, you know, whether it's locally um, where your listeners are or Middle America or wherever. I mean, it's just it just is a, a ubiquitous problem throughout the U, uh, United States. Right. And um, and so we're really at a struggle to ha- you know how do we start making a dent in this? And some of it's going to be legislative, of course, and some of it's going to be law enforcement. Um, but you know, how do we do it from a medical standpoint? And one of the things that made sense to me is. Um, if you look at how hemp, and particularly hemp-derived CBD, how how does it work mechanistically at the at the biochemical level? Mm-hmm. And one of you know we a lot of times if your listeners heard about you know cannabinoid receptors in the brain and in our immune system, you know called CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors. That's that's great, but CBD actually doesn't really interact so much with those uh, with those receptors. Hmm. Um, it, what it does is it blocks one of the enzymes to keep uh, some of the our own chemicals around longer, our sort of our happy molecules, if you will. But it does have direct interaction with serotonin and dopamine receptors, in particularly in our brain. Mm-hmm. But the other one that I think is really interesting is um, one of the reasons why CBD is, is good for chronic pain is because it interacts with opioid receptors in our brain. And so CBD doesn't have the side effects that opioids and, and heroin does. So what it, it does by interacting with those receptors can help decrease the chronic pain, but through some of the other receptors also helps with anxiety. And that all kind of plays right around the whole idea of dealing with the psychological aspects of addiction. 
So it's been shown in multiple studies in animals, for sure, and a few human studies to that CBD decreases the cravings associated with addiction, particularly with heroin and opioids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, you, as a as a brain uh, clinician, this then is not really something that is showing up in your office. The opioid people are not coming to you and getting advice on CBD, or is you, do you, in other words, are you working with it directly, as clinically? Is that my, that's really what my question is? I'm I'm not working with uh, I'm not an addiction doctor. Right, right, um, right. Although I you know I've got some. Uh, good colleague, close colleagues who uh, are very much involved in addiction medicine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, you know, part of it, I'm, I'm curious and interested because of the, the connection of what C, all the different things that CBD is capable of doing. And part of it is because I've got people in that field, friends that are in that field and learn from their experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, we had on our, as a guest here, um, uh, must have been a year, year and a half ago or so, the, the president of the American uh, pain, man, pain, uh, pain Society, actually. And one of the things he, run, he wrung his hands about was he said that, that the opioids have such a, there's such a great upside for them, for the people with, with really deeply severe chronic pain, so that he was bemoaning the fact that the FDA, in a rather heavy-handed way, he, he was saying, were um, taking away his ability to functionally work with the opioid products in times when he felt it was justified and appropriate. So, for, so, there, so there seems to be, a, a, at least in that conversation and other conversations we've had here on this show, it, talk about a little of that part of the dynamic is, is you see in other words there's there's the opioid addiction part but then there's the opioid benefit part can, can you say anything about that and can you say anything about how cbd might interface with that and in some way that other than just sort of breaking the cycle of addiction but are, are cbd and opioids at all fellow travelers in a sense are, are they able, are they able to to, to complement one another not only from the addiction point of view well, very much so. I mean, one of the things, one of the, one of the remarkable things that I am pleased to report. So, mm-hmm. you know, I occasionally get asked by uh, some of my colleagues that are still in the military. Hey, I've got a soldier that uh, that was injured in Iraq or Afghanistan and missing a limb or whatever it is. Right. Uh, you know, can you? I live near Walter Reed, so can you go, you know, give, uh, drop by and check right. on them for me and things right. like that. Right. And so uh, one of the concerns with, uh, particularly with uh, our soldiers, has been an over-prescribing and an overuse of opioids. Right. Um, and so I'm very, very pleased to see that it's become pretty much standard of care, at least at Walter Reed that they're using both fish oil and they're actually using a synthetic um, THC mm-hmm. um, to help decrease the need or the desire for opioids. So mm-hmm. they're using mm-hmm. it as a as a tool to decrease the opioid uh, demand. I mean, yeah, or, demand. Or, yeah, you're right. Right and. 
so, you know, and there's some great studies out there that show particularly with like omega-3s, and I think these will be coming out with CBD as well, but, uh, you know, the use of omega-3s around surgery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so there's places like Oregon Health Sciences University and other hospitals around the country that actually require their patients to be on omega-3s mm. prior to surgery, which wow. is completely opposite what you ever hear. Right. Um because it decreases, there's studies that show that it decreases length of stay, length of ICU time, length of need for length of uh, decreases the need for antibiotics, mm-hmm. decreases the need for pain medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So all these great benefits, and as I learn more and more about it, the interaction between omega-3s and cannabinoids, such as CBD, it's really tremendous, um, especially when it comes to traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CBD helps. There's this tremendous interplay, particularly with DHA, the longest, the long-chain omega-3 that we find in our brain. Right. And how, so if I, like I said that CBD kind of blocks the enzyme to keep our happy molecules around longer. Mm-hmm. Well, it also blocks the breakdown of something called synaptamide that break when it breaks down, it's broken down into DHA and vice versa. It takes DHA to make it. So it keeps this substance that we make in our own bodies and our own brains called synaptamide and it keeps it around longer. So it helps actually grow new neurons and better um, better synapses between the neurons. Um, and so to me, it's just this amazing connection between my two worlds of right. omega-3s and hemp CBD. And wow. The, the connection is really just becoming more and more apparent to me every day. Wow. So now... Of course, you just described it as a as a omega three CBD marriage. Let's call it now. In that marriage, is there is there room for THC, or is the THC best left aside in a general way? Honestly, uh, you know, part of it is coming from thirty years in the military. I was you know not exposed to THC and and marijuana and right. cannabis. Right. Um, and so I'm a little bit biased against it. But there, <laughs> yeah. is, there is some, you know, there is some medicinal value to THC. Uh-huh. It's just not as much as what it is for some of the other cannabinoids, mm-hmm. CBD in particular. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I've seen too many patients that have had uh, a one, even a one-time exposure to THC mm-hmm. and had a full psychotic break. That's a major concern for me. I understand. And the thing is, that it, somebody in my business who sees people who are basically in, 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 a, in some almost like a toxic shock relationship to their THC habit, I'm, I completely concur and, and, and share reluctance to speak positively about THC. But at the same time, there's certainly, there's, as I read the liter- some literature anyway, there seems to be some desirability of having in, in different medical situations there seems to be desirability to having a THC CBD blend for accomplishing the various therapeutic purposes that are intended and so I like I said I was just curious in your case if you felt that there was any reason to want to include 
some element of the THC. Of course, it's always there, at least in a very modest and minuscule way, there typically anyway, but still. Um, Now, in terms of the development of some kind of a product that that includes omega-3s and CBD, do you envision that as one of the sort of over-the-counter things that may arise from the things that you're looking at? Well, I, I think that there's going to be uh, one of the things is, you know, the fish oil industry in particular is kind of looking at, well, you know, what do we do now? Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that's one of the big areas that we're going to start to see more of is, is combination products mm-hmm. of, of, you know, fish oil with other things. I mean, whether it's turmeric or CBD or mm-hmm. um, lots of other things. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's actually really exciting. We're going to see more of that um, coming along, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in terms of your, let's go back to your practice now, in terms of uh, uh, brain tra- traumas and so on. On your website, you have a very articulated uh, discussion about how in, in the first day, second day, third day kind of thing. Maybe you could give our listeners, first of all, remind our listeners again your website, and then let's talk about some of the particulars that you offer at your website in terms of giving the, the, the public some guidance about how to use the, the omega-3s in a, in a proactive way. Well, so one of the things that I, you know, I, one of the reasons why I started a, a nonprofit because I wanted to get this information out to, uh, out to the public. Right. Um, doesn't doesn't do me any good to, um, to to hold on to it myself. Sure. For sure. Um, and so I came up with something that called the Omega Protocol, mm-hmm. and. The Omega Protocol is basically how do you how do you go about you know and, and this is not uh, for somebody you know that's in a coma after a car accident. This is you know somebody that's struggling. Maybe it's with mental health issues. Maybe it's with uh, a concussion that's um, that's just lingering. Um, so I want to, most people are relatively deficient in omega threes and actually it's a little bit more of, um, it's more about that people tend to have too many omega sixes. Right. So omega sixes are another type of fat and it's also found in the brain and it's important for the brain as well. But the downstream effect of omega sixes is generally promotes inflammation, whereas omega-3s help resolve inflammation. So it's really about the balance. And the problem is our food supply and how we eat are not so balanced anymore. Right. And so what we do is, um, you know, if I were to draw blood on, on your listeners out there, I, you know, I pretty much guarantee you that most people are going to be at a, instead of an even ratio of omega-3s and omega-6s, they're going to be somewhere around maybe even as much as 20 or even 30 to 1 out of balance of these omega-6s to these omega resolving omega-3s. Right. You need inflammation. We just need to resolve it. And, um, and so I want to get a handle on that. And the best answer is how do you decrease your omega-6s? But even if you do that really strictly, it's going to take months to years to really make a difference. Whereas we can work on the other side and plus up the Mm omega-3s. So I do it rapidly and I say, okay, well, 
what the FDA tells us is a generally recognized as safe dose is 3,000 milligrams of these omega-3s. And so I looked at it, okay, well, 3,000 a day, let's go with it. Um, but I want to load people up first and make a difference as quick as possible. So right. I kind of triple that up. I say all right, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm-hmm. take 3,000, 3,000, 3,000, 9,000 a day. And I was like, well, that sounds like a lot. Well, you can get good quality fish oil now that has 1,000 milligrams of the omega-3s in each capsule. So it's only three capsules right. three times a day or the liquid equivalent. Um, you know, so nine capsules a day for a short term. It might be, you know, for a couple of days, a week, sometimes even as much as a month. And generally, people, if they're going to notice an improvement, they're going to notice it within a day or two. That's wonderful. how quickly we can sort of turn things around. Wow, that's wonderful news. Well, we're talking to Michael, Dr. Michael Lewis. He's uh, we're, Our principal conversation is, is about um, the, the benefit of CBD oil, but we need to take a break. And then after the break, for listeners who have CBD questions, I'm, Dr. Lewis, you'll be willing to t- take a question or two, would you? Sure. Well, let me see if I can actually get this brake machine to work this time, and I'll try again. So please stay with us. I'll be back with you in just a second. Apparently not. No, I'm I'm uh, stuck in some gear here that doesn't seem to want to do it. So anyway, okay, so we're we're back to we've got three thousand. Units, uh, that is, we've got 1,000 uh, uh, units uh, morning, noon, and night. We're doing that for anywhere between a couple of days to up to a month. And our goal with that is to, is to, is to push back on the imbalance between the omega-6s and the omega-3s. Now, this, this theory, I don't know if to call it that, but this fact, basically, this, this omega-3 thing came out must have been twenty, almost twenty years ago. I can't remember exactly who it was. There was some rather well-known fellow who became well-known at the time, who was just flooding the world with this whole idea of this omega three, omega six imbalance. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but so that's had a long time to be out there in the in the public domain. The idea of that. So, what has evolved? Do you, maybe you probably do you know who I mean, or do you know what I'm talking about? Am I might. Well, there's there's a couple of people. There's um, um, there's a couple of uh, Dutch, I think it was Dutch uh, physicians, and uh, when they were doing some work in Greenland, right. uh, had the idea. Uh, so I'm not sure if you're talking about them, or it could be anybody from uh, Bill Lands has been a tremendous uh, force in this field. Um, as well as um, Barry Sears. The Barry Sears, that, that was it. Barry Sears was the one. I, was, I couldn't find that name, yeah. So, but anyway, so that's had a chance to percolate into the public domain. And obviously, now that you are also a carrier of this, this news, this, this important information. So uh, we, we got just as far as the 3,000 for the, for the first day. So then take us through down the road a little bit further. I just wanted to step in with that idea because I think many of our listeners may have heard about this historically, but what they they may or may not have responded to it at the time, but it's but the, the zeitgeist of that of Barry Sears's presence has now changed. So now we're talking to Michael Lewis and so but you're gonna you're giving us some advice on, on and we're we've started with three thousand a day for a for a period of time. So you're saying that within 
as, as, as early as uh, one or two days, we, be, we may begin to feel a, a difference. Tell us about what that difference might look like. Well, you know, the, the two biggest things with that are going to be typically mental clarity. So mm-hmm. when people have a, a head injury, I, I say it's like, um, it's like having a bad cold without the runny nose. Mm. Right? You feel like your head's stuffed full of cotton. You can't think clearly. You're, you're not motivated. You just want to crawl back in bed. Yes. Um, and it just, you know, often described as, great... often described as brain fog. Often described as brain fog. Yeah, so right. I, I say it's it's like having a bad cold without the runny nose. Mm-hmm. So everybody's had a cold, so they know what that's like, right? Sure. Your ears are stuffed full of cotton and head, you know, you can't think. Right. Um, and so it it that's what it deals with, this brain fog. Um, it helps kind of clear some of the brain fog if it's going to work. And, you know, and again, it's not going to work for everybody, um, we're talking about nutrition here. We're not talking about a drug. Right. We're talking about nutrition, and so it's not going to—it's not going to work for everybody. Not every drug works for everybody either. Right. Um, and so, decreasing or hopefully even eliminating brain fog would be easily, uh, you know, the biggest benefit. Okay. Increasing energy levels, helping you just get through the day uh, a little bit better, or maybe even really, you know, having the energy to literally get through the day. And the other thing that often we see with head injuries is chronic headaches. Mm -hmm. And so it can really help with chronic headaches and where it really interacts or uh, overflows or it really interacts with the cannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about CBD, right. is it can help with decreasing anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and so fish oil does that, and it does it through some of the same mechanisms that CBD does. Mm. So for, your, for your, our listeners' benefit who... And we've, we've started, we, we, we've got the listeners that have brain fog, let's say, we'll start with those. So then we started with 3,000 for the, you say, for a, a day or two or as much as a week or even as much as a month. Then take us through some step-down do- dosages that you think are appropriate. And, and then, uh, so, so, we, so we can get to what you might call a maintenance level, because we know, as you, as you, as you rightly point out, as, 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 as the science seems to say, that our omega-6s are so imbalanced so chronically with our omega-3s that it does make sense to have a, a maintenance process. So take us down through the next couple of steps, if you would, please. Well, you know, the FDA tells us that 3,000 is what really, you know, is what's generally recognized as safe. Now, oh. interestingly enough, uh, in Europe and even in Canada, it's uh, that generally recognize the safe level is 5,000 milligrams. Ah, okay. So I think the U.S. US is a little bit more conservative in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let's, we'll, we'll stick with the 3,000 because that's okay. what we've got, right? Right, right, right. Um, so with, with that, um, I, I want to get down to that level. Right. Now, 9,000, you know, some people are a little more susceptible to bruising or, mm-hmm. or bleed a little bit easier. Uh, not anything like uh, the pharmaceuticals, you know, if you're on, um, you know, or Coumadin right, or some right. of these other pharmaceuticals that uh, to, to basically people call them blood thinners. Right. Um, it's nothing like that. It's more like 
if you were taking a baby aspirin a day, uh, you know, you might bruise a little bit easier on these higher levels. Right. So we don't want that. We want to get you down to, you know, that generally recognizes safe. So, you know, one easy way to do it is do it, do the higher three times a day for a week. And then the next week go down to twice, uh, twice a day for a week. And then, uh, down to the once a day or 3,000 a day. And that really should be ongoing. Mm-hmm, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I made sure my son took uh, mm-hmm. when he was playing football in high school. Uh, well, that, so that's... That, well, that's what we, our audience is a lot of people coming home from school. You know, we're just at the end of the school day here, and so the, we have parents listening. So that that little piece of information could just be a really a, a, a the real gem of the of the whole of the whole show because if a parent can hear that and can feel they have some, they're adding some you know valuable support to their child's activity. Well, then that's obviously well worth our time today. So let's let's cycle back just a little bit to talking about CBD and and if 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 people are having uh, uh, pain issues or if people are having uh, uh, generally general malaise issues of one sort or another that that are appropriate for CBD, um, let's talk about dosing there because again, one of the things that had came, comes up recently is there's a seems to be an awful lot of misinformation or at least not well thought out information vis-a-vis the the topic of of, of dosages. So tell us a little bit about dosages for CBD, if you would, for for sort of everyday human problems. We do have a caller. Let me see what the caller wants to say. Hold on one second. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for calling. Uh, hello, this is Dr. Holter. Dr. Hoke asked me to call in. Oh, yes. Well, Dr. Holter, you're a local provider of CBD products uh, or a, a local ad- advocate. We're talking to Dr. Michael Lewis, who's mm-hmm. a, a well-known national um, spokesperson and uh, himself a researcher for the utilization of, of cannabis. So uh, uh, we're sort of doing this kind of on the cuff, if you will, so we don't have anything planned specifically for your call, but say a word or two about your own utilization of of CBD products for your patients and how you find yourself feeling happy about using having that those products available for use. Okay. Well, first of all, excuse me, this is my ninth year as a cannabis doctor. Uh, I've seen over 15,000 patients so I know a few things because I've seen a few things. Um, my background is that I'm a Harvard-trained anesthesiologist for 40 years. Mm. I retired in 2012 and uh, treating my own pain that I thought was incompatible with life, finding out I could treat it with high CBD medicine with complete relief and no head trip, I decided I wanted to share it with other people. So. My forte is really dealing with seniors in their efforts to understand and navigate through the whole modern medicinal cannabis world. It's Mm. so confusing to people. So I give talks that are just about the basics on understanding the molecules and what they do. And I'm more and more excited about the broad application of CBDs for so many issues, uh, important ones, of course, that Dr. Lewis has been speaking of. Um, I have seen patients with pain of all varieties, cancer, autoimmune diseases, Parkinson's disease, fibromyalgia, anxiety, depression, dementia, neuropathy, skin diseases, to name a few. And um, 
Having listened to your program, I think the most important reason for my call would be in defense of the THC molecule. Dr. Lewis mentioned he wasn't terribly fond of it because of (laughs) his military experience and so on, but the first two years that I was teaching about this, I had just learned about high CBD medicine. So I taught people CBD is good, it's medical, it's safe, it's okay, THC is bad. That was such a mistake that I had to make a personal apology to the THC molecule because the THC molecule can only make you high if the molecule is activated. And an activated molecule just means that its shape has been changed so it will fit into a particular uh, receptor. Well, the most common activator for THC is heat. And that's why for the last several hundred years, people have smoked it, cooked it, baked it, put it in hot oil and hot tea, always something hot to activate that molecule so it could go to the CB1 receptors in the brain and make them high. But it turns out the THC molecule that comes with the plant in its natural form is in its acidic form. And it's written uh, normally, as far as how you would write it down, THC with a capital A with that. And I've noticed some companies are now using THC with a little a by it. But when that A is with the THC, it means it's the acidic form, and it will not make you high. Wow. That's uh, a, is that, is heated, that, excuse me, I'm, I'm, Dr. Lewis, are you familiar, familiar with what uh, Dr. Hall is talking about? Well, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, actually you could basically, you could eat raw marijuana and it won't make you high because THC and CBD and CBG and CB, you know, all these other cannabinoids don't exist in nature and you have to get them past their boiling point by smoking it or baking it, uh, which is why you do that. And you and she's absolutely right. You have to activate it and basically what we call decarboxylate it. Um, mm-hmm. um, the carboxyl acid group falls off the end, basically, and, uh, and then it becomes active. And so THCA is tremendous. THC itself actually has great medicinal value. Um, yes. And particularly... A little bit of THC, some people will even say CBD and THC in equal uh, amounts, but a little bit of THC and a little bit, and the biggest thing that, you know, which is, we're kind of alluding to is what we call the entourage effect. All mm-hmm. these different parts of the cannabis plant work together, and it's not just CBD and THC and THCA and CBDA and so on, but you have everything from all kinds of different terpenes that provide different flavors um, to there are uh, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. There's vitamins, there's minerals. There's tremendous value in the entire plant um, Mm. versus isolated THC or isolated CBD, which you miss out on that whole entourage effect. Well, that's of course. I right. think that's what I think. What, uh, that, that's what I think where we were going, and that's why I'm so glad that you ex- extrapolated that as well as you did, Doctor Lewis, because I think that that's so often is the missing piece, or that is, is, is an ill-considered f- uh, fact in, in terms of this whole conversation. So, 
so uh, I, I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say though I've got to actually get running here. Okay, no, no, um, we we've taken up so much of your time already, Dr. Lewis. It's been such a pleasure to have you, and you've given a lot to our audience. And so, thank you for joining us. And we'll let you slip away and and uh, hope to talk to you again some other time. Well, my pleasure. And it sounds like um, and I, I I didn't catch her name, but it sounds like she's a good uh, good person to step in and, and help fill out the, uh, the conversation. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank uh, you. Okay. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye. So let's finish up with you, uh, uh, Dr. Is it Halter. Dr. Halter, yeah, so, Halter. So, yeah, so keep, keep going. Tell us, uh, tell us where, where we should go okay, now. With well, this. We also, uh, I don't use the fancy terms like decarboxylated because my senior patients don't give a rip about that. Right, but I explain right. to them that if the molecule is never heated, right. it will not make you high. And the other way it can be used, I mean, I've never yet had a patient come to me as a cannabis doctor and say, I want to learn how to be high. They always come and say, I don't want to be high. Right. So that's why I had to learn that um, the CBDs, can be used in a product so that they overwhelm the effect of the THC. But that happens, that's where you come into this word, the, or the ratios that people get confused about. The liquids that go under the tongue that you can use during the day that do not make you high, the way you know whether or not they will make you high is the ratio. Uh, a 20 to 1, for instance, it's high CBD. So the number on the left means 20 CBD molecules for every little one molecule of THC. So with that number, you know that the CBDs overwhelm the THC and you do not have any head effect at all. Now, the reason you have to know the ratios is there is a limit where that is no longer true. There is a threshold at 8 to 1. So if the number on the left is 8 or greater, 18 to 1, 20 to 1, 25 to 1, 30 to 1, that's the kind of tinctures you can buy. As long as that number on the left is 8 or larger, that liquid will not make you high. Mm -hmm. But if you go above that ratio to 4 to 1, 2 to 1, 1 to 1, doesn't mean you can't use them, but it means, for instance, if you use it for pain, it will be very good, but it will make you sleepy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's why the ratios are so important to know. And the ratios only matter when it comes to tinctures. Okay. Because, for instance, one of the major ways to use marijuana is topicals, and they are ridiculously effective because of the fat solubility of the molecules. Well, Dr. Holter, we're, we're just at the end of the hour here. We need to... Oh, we're losing our time. Okay. Yeah, we, we, need, we need to come back. We need to come back to this topic another time. We've been talking to Dr. Your first name, Dr. Holter? Marilyn Holter, and, and I would like to say your, that I do... Your phone number is... At 707-527-0680. Right. 
zero. I see patients in an office on Wednesdays in Sonoma, great. and I will go to, pe- to people's homes if they need it. I do private consultation. It's a great pleasure to have you, uh, Dr. Holter. We look forward to an- another conversation with you, and it was we're so kind of you to join us today. So thank you for so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. And that's it for Health Matters today. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be look forward to seeing you again next time. Mm-hmm.